Kia ora team and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast. My name is Noel Wolof and on today's episode I'm joined by Reese Rich. Really enjoyed this conversation with the bro Connor aka Reese Rich who's one of New Zealand's finest young talents in the alternative R&B and hip hop scene. If you haven't checked out his music make sure that you do so in the link below. In this episode we dive deep into Reese Rich's story growing up in Western Australia then moving to the Kapiti Coast, some of his inspirations in music, what keeps him going and also the ins and outs of the music industry in the Aotearoa. As always, I hugely appreciate all of the support, each and every one of you tuning in every week. The biggest thing that you could do if you want to support the podcast is make sure that you click follow on Spotify and rank us five stars if you are enjoying the content. As always, hope you enjoy. Thanks again. Welcome to episode number 24. Uh, so my name is Rhys Rich. I'm a musician from Wellington, New Zealand. Um, I grew up in Australia, have moved to New Zealand since uh, in my teenage years and have been making music for about 10 years. Man, bro, that's yeah. awesome. And um, so you grew up in Western Australia and you yeah. moved to NZ when you were 16. Um, what was the dynamic like, obviously, moving back to New Zealand when you're 16? You're quite a bit older, probably a bit harder to sort of form or socialise into social groups when you're yeah. that age because you went to Kapiti College, eh? Yeah, I originally went to Taupo, uh, Tohara College. Okay for a year, just living in Taupo when I first moved back, and then to Kapiti for two years so, True. in college. Um, but yeah, hard, hard getting into things. I think I didn't notice it too much when I first moved over because I was used to Australia, it's just mm. a massive change in general, but um, now in my old years, reflecting on it, it's a lot mm. of, I guess, breaking into social scenes and like noticing how pe- different groups and people work. For sure. Um, from so many different high schools, so it was an interesting one. Yeah, bro. And with your upbringing up in Aussie, what was your childhood like, bro? Uh, pretty west, to be honest. Yeah. It's like I was in the desert um, in Australia. So. No way, like rural sort yeah. of? Yeah, yeah, 300 k's from the nearest beach, anything like that. So 40 degree weather most days and cold nights. Um, but it was a gold mining town. It's kind of like, I always explain it to people, it was Chernobyl if... It was for gold mining. Everyone's True. there for the mine, unless you're a retail shop or something. Yep. Um, but everyone's there for the gold and the nickel. So That's insane. Yeah, it was a weird place to grow up, but it was well, normal at the time. So. And what, like, if you think about how weird it is now, what are those key sort of weird things? Was it quite like sort of redneck in, in many yeah, ways? Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty vogan, pretty redneck. Um, I guess just very disconnected from the rest of the world and the Western society, I like guess mm. pop culture and everything like that. It's not massive there no one's really trying to be in or anything mm. you know it's too far away from the nearest city so everyone's just doing their own thing and kind of making fun with what they can so what did you do as a young fella growing up in like <laughs> rural australia like what do you do for fun do you, are you looking for gold as well like what's, what's occasionally occasionally with some friends um their parents were into sifting which is going yeah. out to the rivers and sifting gold um a lot of the time Everyone has pools and it's hot, so you're just swimming at people's houses. Mm. If you go anywhere outside the town, you're in the wilderness. Um, so there's wild animals everywhere and snakes that can kill you. Inside. Um, so yeah, you kind of make a bit of fun with, with what's there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And um, did you, were you always into music as well? Like growing up in Aussie? Was that when you sort of sort of latched onto the idea? Do you play any instruments or how did you get into it? Yeah. Um, so not, it was kind of like a happy accident. I was just riding on a skateboard one day, fell off, broke my ankle. And from there, I kind of got into the techie side of things, um, 11 years old about. Mm. And yeah, from so much time at home, I couldn't go to school. I was just couldn't walk kind of thing. Um, 
got into gaming, got into video editing, got into making music, um, all at the same time, really. So picked up all those skills as I broke my ankle. True, bro. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, not not cool breaking your ankle. It's actually a pretty, <laughs> pretty funny theme. I, I broke my ankle probably like... Must have been three years ago. Did, did you have to have the surgery and stuff as well? No, just a luckily like a bad, really bad fracture. Yeah. So it wasn't broken, broken, but it took maybe 16 months to heal. So it's, just as bad. Yeah, and it's more like the mental side of thing, eh? Like yeah. what, when an injury takes it out of you, where you can, and I'm sure because you were so young, like you can't skate anymore, you can't play sport. Yep. It's just yeah. fucking so hard on you. Um, and when you sort of, use that time which you probably were going to use doing like sports and skating and stuff into music were you doing that were you like self-teaching yourself or do you have anyone to teach you how to how to use this equipment how to use an instrument uh no i can't play an instrument so no one teaching me as well family wise um i guess it was more so just like i loved djs and mm. Avicii and Tiesto and all that stuff back in the day. So I really just wanted to be a DJ. Yeah. Um, and I knew music production and house was the way to get into it. So making EDM was like, oh, I'm just going to be a DJ when my ankle's better. True. Instead of uh, trying to be a football star. So Yeah, nice. Um, and how come you did the move to New Zealand at 16? What was the cause for that, for that shift over here? It was a half and half. My parents were thinking about getting a job in New Zealand. I got offered a job with my dad. Um, and through that early, I just was like, oh, I'm just going to move this year instead of next year to mm. my grandparents' house and lived in Topol, where I'm from and where I was born, uh, with my grandparents, which is uh, an amazing, amazing learning experience living with my grandparents. I'm really close with them anyway, but um, having that time with your grandparents really mm. changes your perspective, I guess, on a lot of things. Yeah, bro. What did that change your perspective on? I guess the age range of like who I can be close with. I've always been close with them, but... Um, I guess when you're younger, you think your friends are the people in your year at school mm. and everything like that. Now my mates range from yeah, younger than me to 30, yeah. 30 plus. Um, can be anyone who's a good friend. Um, and I think yeah, that really taught me that. It's just learning what you need from people and, and what mm. they can get from you as, mm. as any age. Mm. 100% bro. Yeah, that's cool. And it, it's probably not really often you get to spend extended periods of time with your grandparents, eh? Yeah. Like that, like under the same roof as them. And a crazy, it must be crazy for them as well because they would have raised your parents probably under the same the same umbrella, you know, yeah. like your mum or, or, or your dad. So, yes, yeah, super, super crazy circles and roundabouts. Yeah, we've got quite a big family as well. Luckily, our grandparents who I lived with actually looked, uh, brought me and my brother up, so... Um, quite close with them throughout our whole childhood but um it's good to get those extra years in yeah bro that's lovely and um so you're in New Zealand at, at 16 you go into Carpity um from there what was the sort of key shift did, did you always want to head into doing music or cause I, I feel like when you're 18 17 there's so much pressure on young people to go into like university right it's like I, I felt that when I was in year 13 it was like if you're not going to uni or doing a trade um you know you're totally sort of shunned out from society in a weird yeah. way at least from like the social collective um because that's where all your peers are going to so yeah what what sort of pressure were you putting on yourself during those years and year 12 year 13 for what you're going to do next after college I guess I didn't think too much about it because I'd moved school so many times. Um, I, you know, schooling from Australia to New Zealand was a lot different. Mm. Um, the standard of schooling and everything like that. I felt like I was repeating True. myself in schooling, going to different high schools every year. 
Um, so I, I almost gave up on school in a sense. It was just there. I was making music in class most of the time. Yeah. And I was locked in that when I moved to New Zealand, I started doing vocals and singing and rapping and stuff. So I was locked in there like, this is, this is it. This is the only thing I've done throughout all of my teenage years. The yeah. same thing. Everything else has changed around me. And I've just kept making music. So this yeah. is the one thing that will stay the same. That's cool, man. It's like the constant in your life. Yeah. Um, Dependent variable. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. I think whenever you're... And like, sh- shout out to all like the SoundCloud rappers and stuff like that. <laughs> That's what we had a yarn about with my mate Tabby who was on the podcast a few episodes back. But I feel like for all of those people who are grinding like, you know, sound, SoundCloud rapping or just being that first sort of like high school rapper, like there's... Or, or when you're set, setting up anything really when you're putting something out into the world, whether it be like a podcast or a new song or you're doing something for the first time, like that shit's fucking scary, bro. Like you don't know how, what the reaction is going to be, how it will be received. So take us back to like your first song, your first track that you released. It's a weird thing. I feel like now in my older years, I have more pressure than I did back then for some reason, which is a a strange one. I think it's all the pressures that are added when you get older. Yeah. Um, But back then it was just, I was having so much fun making music. I just found out how to put music on Spotify through you know this website, Lander. Um, and I just dropped it. And I got to Kapiti and we had parties and people were playing it. And I was like, this is awesome. So I just kept going and dropping stuff throughout high school. But um, it seems more like nowadays it's, it feels like it has to be a certain way and mm. all these other pressures of life kind of just stack up on you. So I feel like it was easier to release when I was, when I was younger now than it is more than it is now so yeah true that I, I guess now you've you know as your career is growing you know you're like doing festivals one-to-one festival opening for mellow downs like some huge stuff there um there's probably more pressure from like the commercial side of things is that yeah. ha- have you seen that to be a way in which maybe seizes the amount of music you can sort of put out put out there because you're treating it like a business yeah, I mean, it's it's half and half, good and bad. If I released everything I'd made, I don't think I'd be happy as well. True. Um, so I'm happy that over the years, the constant thing is making music. I've always been making music. Maybe I haven't released. Um, I released a project in June for the first time in two years. Um, but through that whole period of not releasing, I had been to playing shows, making music with people, uh, kind of stacking up on my catalogue. Um, so you're not too unhappy that I haven't released the music, but it's more so you're treating it like a business. Mm. It is a business now. Uh, I've got people to pay. Um, I've got to pay myself and got to get paid by them. So mm. it's definitely a business. How, how does that work for like paint the picture for like a young up and coming musician based out of Wellington, trying to, try to really make it in New Zealand? Like what sort of steps do you have to take? And what is that pathway to actually make it so you are, you know, playing, producing, performing and just living the life of like a full-time musician? Like how, how hard is that journey? And um, yeah, like what, what is that like for people who aren't in that scene? I think one major thing is, um, especially in New Zealand, if you're somewhere else in the world where there's a bit more money or a bit more economy in general, um, I think don't quit your job and just try to do this. Mm. Uh, I've worked full-time the whole time I've been doing music in New Zealand after school. Um, and I think it's a really good part of learning life at the same time as learning music because if I was just balls deep in music, I don't think it would be, um, I'd be at where I am in maturity mm. for, for my business. So um, definitely work and do music as much as you can. Work with as many people as possible. 
uh, as many people in the scene who are making music. And I think not, not to be too obsessed with music is a massive thing for me. I think there's a lot of time for my music to come out and me for do, to do music for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, so work on your life and work on making memories and making stuff to write music about. Mm. I like that, bro. That's really nice. Yeah, it's, it must be really tough. And are you in a position now where you are, are you, do you still have a nine to five? Or yep. you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually What do you do in, outside? Uh, for the past year, I've been working in insurance. Nice, bro. Um, so yeah, I just kind of lodge claims and stuff yep. for an insurance company. The house should not be named. Um, and for the last four years, I'd been doing construction. So Oosh, man. Yeah, I was in the trades. Now I'm in insurance. Um, anything that pays the bills. And, yeah, 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 yeah. That's sick. Do you find that doing those sort of nine to five jobs, and like we've all got one, I've got one as well. Um, do you find like that is also a motivation for you to be like, you know, I, I don't want to do this forever. Like I want to do the, the music thing full time, but it's good to get a taste of uh, the nine to five rat race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely keeps the my position on it. Like, mm. once this is done, once I'm out of this, it's going to be the best feeling in the world. But um, I don't want to cut myself short and just try yeah. to jump into it without having the finance there to be able to do it. So totally. having the money in the background for music is always going to be the best part of it. Yeah, 100%. Um, for a lot of musicians, their music is really influenced by their upbringing um, or their childhood. So... Do you, what sort of synergies can you find with like your genre of music and the, or, or like the inspiration that you get from your music and your childhood? Yeah, um, definitely from both my mum and my dad and my family in general. They love, on my mum's side, uh, my Māori side, love R&B and Lauren Hill and yeah. Roots and stuff like that. So that's a huge part of my R&B career. I classify myself as an R&B artist, so... Um, but then as, as well as that, as I was talking about earlier, the EDM scene, uh, electronic music, my dad into rock and mm. uh, indie and stuff like that. So bringing everything I can that inspires me, not just musically, um, and putting it into one thing that I enjoy myself mm. is, is the best part. Because I feel like with you, like, and you self-describe yourself as an R&B artist slash rapper, I, I feel like a lot more artists nowadays they're almost becoming genreless in a way. And I was listening to a podcast with um, with Loyal Kana quite recently, and he was talking about, um, you know, you think about Tyler the Creator, maybe like Kendrick Lamar. It's hard to put them under an umbrella of like just one genre, but they more like absorb ins inspiration and influence from so many different ones. You know, you got like jazz, you got rock, you got um, R&B. Do you feel like that, that might be a bit more of a trend that we're seeing yeah. for a lot more artists? Especially in the hip-hop R&B scene. For sure. I think the biggest artists in hip-hop aren't just doing hip-hop anymore. They're blending everything. Um, in a sense, hip-hop is dying a little bit, which isn't a, mm. a, a good or a bad thing. Uh, it's just not as popular as it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that is? I think it's just because you can't deny that pop music, even though people think it's cheesy and corny and stuff like that, it's the music that everyone enjoys. It's like, mm. while... Me and my hip-hop friends enjoy some small Atlanta rapper or mm. something. It's like the rest of the world is listening to Taylor Swift. Mm. And she's, you know, got everyone at her grasp. So it's like maybe the small circle's listening to this hip-hop song, but the rest of the world's listening to pop mm. um, and these mainstream-influenced songs, which is a beautiful thing. I think pop music's awesome. So. Mm. Mm. That's so true, bro. And, like, my, 
my missus, she's like a Taylor Swift fanatic, eh? Yeah. Like, she was on the phone to me, like, crying. Like, when she got the tickets over to Aussie, she's like, oh, I'm going to the show. <laughs> and, like, I never realised, like, how fucking big Taylor Swift is before yeah. she introduced me to her. Like, bro, she, like, sells out stadiums all across the world, like, every second night. It's crazy numbers. Same thing as, like, Ed Sheeran or anyone yeah. in that pop scene, you know? They're just... It's, they're making music that anyone can enjoy. Back to the age thing, it's like any age can enjoy it. It's not just mm. eighteen year olds that are trying to listen to this, or any age group. It's you know elderly kids, mm. adults, everyone can listen to this. So hundred percent. Yeah, I've got a funny yarn about Ed Sheeran. Actually, um, <laughs> there's someone that I work with um, at my at my old job actually, and he went to high school, or I don't know, he went to the same. He grew up in the same town as Ed did, and they're like the same age, and. Um, so they've always like kept kept in comms as uh, I guess Ed's like career has just like blown up, and recently when he was over in New Zealand for his Wellington show when he was, I think it was like earlier this year or something yeah I went to it yeah yeah, yeah awesome. man and um, my mate went to his like sound check and then afterwards it was like oh you know. What, what are you doing afterwards? He was like, I'm just going to go back to my place and Hatai sort of thing. So it was like, oh, sweet. Can I come? So like just hopped in my mate's like real normal car. They just drove all the way out to Hatai Tai. Um, my mate had like his son in the back who said no idea who Ed Sheeran was because he's like four or three or five yeah. or something. And uh, yeah, they had like all of their security following the car sort of. And it was like 5 p.m. on a Friday. Uh, like my mate was like, shit, what happens if there's like traffic and someone just like spots Ed Sheeran in my passenger seat <laughs> in broad daylight? Um, but he's, he's challenged uh, my mate into writing one song every week for a year which is pretty cool because cool he's like challenge. a singer-songwriter. Yeah. And um, so my mate's like sending him all of these tracks every single week. And Ed's like, while well, he's on a world tour, like replying to him and stuff, which is awesome. And like giving him feedback on the songs. And I, I think the idea is once he does one song a week for a year, then they'll review the best tracks and try and produce it and turn it into an album. Um, so cra crazy, crazy stuff. that is just yeah. Like I mean, someone as big as Ed Sheeran, who's actually just the most normal guy. Yeah, bro. If you've seen him perform, um, to do something like that with someone you know, yes, yeah, insane, insane, eh? yeah. It, it's a it, like he's probably the definition of the sort of sort of guy which it looks like from the outside and he hasn't lost sense of who he is with yeah. all of this fame and money. Because um, that must be so like it'll be hard to do, but it'll also be really easy to do. Yeah, because you'd be surrounded by yes men all the time. I think I even I had a conversation, funnily enough, last night with one of my friends. It's like, even though it does get glorified so much, this any celebrity type music, whatever you're doing, um, people thinking like these people are living a crazy life. It's like it's all relative. They're just normal people, even if they've got these millions. Like they're all yeah. dealing with the same thing as us. Totally. Um, unless you know, you get certain people who think they're above you, but um, yeah, yeah. The yeah. rest of them are just normal people. Yeah. Hard out. Cool. Hard out. Um, I, I think I mentioned to you when we were in the comms. I went to a Loyal Kana, the Loyal Kana gig up in Auckland last week, which was so sick. And um, afterwards, we, we found out <laughs> just through being pests, basically, found out where like a sort of after party thing was. Yeah. So we were at this um, like real low key venue with just like basically Loyal and his and his whole band until like three thirty a.m. in the morning, which is just crazy. But yeah, I was, I was talking to him as well because he's you know traveling the world as music's blown up hugely you're like a, probably my favorite my favorite artist from yeah. the uh from the uk but 
I think I think it comes down to that thing. I eh? like choose your hard because he's also like a like a young dad. He's got he's got a daughter, but he's over here in New Zealand, you know, traveling the world and touring and not yeah. being able to see his see his little boy. Um, but I think with that level of fame and exposure, there just becomes more challenges as well. Yeah. Eh? Like everyone's human. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. Um, with within your music, where do you where do you get your most where do you get your inspiration from, bro? It's uh, the new music that came out recently has, they're all really old songs. Um, so the inspiration comes from everywhere. I mean, it's always half and half love songs and the experiences I've had um, with friends and significant others. Um, yes, definitely. I, I love writing love songs. Yeah. I love writing songs about like pain and passion and stuff like that. So um, those songs, even though I haven't, you know, it was just an unreleased, unplanned, unplanned release. Sorry, mm. um, they felt maybe the best to release those out of all the songs I've released. Mm. That was the most uplifting and weight off my shoulders release I've had. Even though I didn't, you know, promo it, didn't do anything with it. Just um, had to get it off my chest, which was the best part. And yeah, these songs about as I was talking about my grandparents. Mm. Um, one of those songs is heavily about my grandfather who passed away, mm. um, and that song just felt so good when it you know was written. And now when it's released, it's like letting go of it. So well, that's cool. Um, yeah, definitely. The more it means to me, the the less well it's probably going to do, mm. um, and the less it means to me, the more commercial it's going to be. So mm, true. It's kind of finding that balance between something that means a lot to you and is catchy and commercial yeah true that um and when it comes to like the writing process of writing your songs what does that personal process look like for you how do you come about the actual writing component of writing a new track yeah um so with my own stuff i, I work alone a lot of the time because I, I produce and i write and record so a lot of time I'm by myself, which is just a gradual process of producing a beat and mm. just writing as I go along. Um, the other times when I'm in kind of competition mode in a studio with another artist, um, I literally, st every time I just stand up on my phone typing notes and walking in circles and everyone probably thinks like, what is this guy doing? But, <laughs> Let him um, cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, within 10, 20 minutes because I, I feel this hunger and competition whereas it can take me 10 hours to make a song by myself wow. um, but it's very quick when I'm in a room with other artists because I'm, I'm hungry to compete and, and be the best in the room for that mm. for that song. So um, I really love working with other artists in that sense. It's like you know any sport, you're, yeah. you're in a room to, to put the best product out so it's... Um, it's an awesome competition. But yeah, writing when I'm by myself is, can take all day, which yeah. is awesome. When you say compete, what do you mean by compete? Um, well, each of us have got a verse. Um, someone's got to make the hook or the chorus. Um, so I'm trying to be the first one to write that and uh, the first one to get the ideas on the board. So that's when I feel like, even though we're working together, it's, mm. you know, especially in the rap scene, more so singing is, is very working on it together and picking yeah. the words together and everything. Um, but rapping to me is like a an awesome, healthy competition of like yeah, that's me, who's going to get this out the quickest and who's going to have the best bars. That's cool, bro. I like that. I've, ne I've never really thought of it as like a competition when you're like maybe co collabing on like beats and in the studio and stuff. But yeah. that makes um that makes perfect sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, when you get your inspiration from music. I read an interview that you did and you said you also get like inspiration from even like designs. It might be like conversations or experiences, but there are sort of like other wider things which you draw inspiration from. Um, 
is there anything in particular, like recently, which you've been like really infatuated over, which is making its way into into your music? It's gonna sound silly, like even being a, a dog dad nowadays. <laughs> um, I really enjoy just like stuff around the house, which is maybe because I moved in with my partner at her house, um, which she owns, which is a beautiful home. Um, she's got this Dyson vacuum, and I'm just loving vacuuming there all the time, like this wireless one. <laughs> um, little things like that. It's just staying on top of like the kitchen being clean at night. I'm like, these things are, although they seem mundane and, and chory. Um, to me, they're like creative expression in, mm. in so many other ways. You know, I'm like being creative with how things can be laid out around the house and in any way I can kind of think about something and plan it out. Um, I definitely just try to do it. So yeah, drawing inspiration from having like a healthy, clean lifestyle at the moment, which is something I've wanted for a long time. And um, fortunately this year, it's kind of come into fruition where I feel pretty balanced and healthy and yeah. um, in a good position. So that's where it's coming from at the moment. You've just motivated me to get home and start fucking cleaning, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mo, what are you up to? We've got the fucking vacuum cleaner on like the ceiling or something. <laughs> it's so true though, like the, the mental clarity you can get, eh, from like a, a tidy, well-presented home. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like the, just the mental space that you have to, to like actually freely think rather than heaps of clutter. I think it's, it's so different as well. Like when I was... 18 flatting in a damp home with yes, randoms bro. on Tasman Street yeah, in yeah, Wellington. Yeah, yeah. Um, the room could be an absolute pigsty and I'm sitting there laying in the bed with my headphones on and my mic in my hand and everything and it's like, that was the awesome, like, you know, the yeah. perfect environment for me to make music in at the time. Um, but now it's just so much different. It's like, I want to wipe the table down before I start making music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just a different different product, I guess. Man, it's grown now. Yeah, <laughs> grown now. <laughs> um that takes me to uh, Red Rover, bro, which is probably my, my favorite song from yours. And you must have released that near the time of lockdown, was it? Yeah, the feel like start of that, right as it started, yeah. Right as it started. Made it and released it straight away. Perfect timing as well. Like that was on my headphones for like runs and stuff all throughout that, that, first, that first lockdown. Um, and what I like learned about the song is actually about your about you, the song itself is about you waiting for your partner at the time to come home, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. and you listen to it, you wouldn't really even assume that's what it's about, but when you dig deeper into the storytelling, it's like, it's fucking really cool, dude. So can you, do you mind just speaking a bit yeah. more about, about that song and the inspiration and where it came from? Of course, yeah. Um, I, I actually think it's such a funny story all the time, but my ex-partner um, was actually just working at New World as like a, what was it called when a you were? worker. Yeah, essential worker. Um, so everyone was at home, everyone had to stop working and she was still going. So um, as stupid as it sounds, yeah, I, I just, she was gone most of the day and everyone was home. So I was in my room making music and I was like, kind of just, just like, I'm going to write a song about waiting for her to get back from work. And somehow it turned into Rover, uh, Red Rover, sorry. Um, which shout out to everyone listening to Red Rover. It's nearly on a million at the right, moment. I think you're like 10, I looked at it today. It's like 10,000 plays and you'll be a million. Yeah, yeah, something 990 like or something. And it's like that Run song it just... Same thing, I just put it up on the internet, no promo or anything like that. Um, so for it three years later to be doing so well, it just shows that it doesn't have to do well straight away for it yeah. to be a good song. Totally. Yeah, that's epic, bro. I fucking, I, I love that song. So if you listen to the potty, uh, chuck on Red Rover by Research on Spotify and let's get it to one milli, one milli downloads. You have to have like a celebration party or something, eh? You have <laughs> one million. That's a big yeah. deal. It's massive. Yeah, no, it's really, it's a, think of that many people in one room is um, yeah. ridiculous so it's, it's overwhelming super epic man um i was also keen to talk to you about 
the process of like performing like a live show as well. Yep. Um, and what are the, if you were to make like, if, if this was a recipe, what would be the main core components to like to performing the best live show possible? Like what would those ingredients be in the recipe book? Um, I think the same as any other skill or talent is time. Mm. Um, most importantly out of anything, I before the podcast we were speaking and you said your first podcast was you know, the way it was laid yeah. out and played out um, wasn't as you thought it would be. So, 100%. And it's like my first show, man, I was, it was like a thousand kids for a school ball, a Wellington College ball um, with Kuka, who's a good friend of mine. And it was my first time on stage and there was a thousand drunk teenagers there and I was like, what do I even say? What do I do? Um, but managed to get some words out and sing a few songs. Um, since then, I think I've done definitely, um, including busking, everything like that, 100, 200 plus shows. Mm. Um, and that time really just helps you to get comfortable with the songs themselves. So even though you made them and you sing them and you know them, it's performing them to people and knowing what parts will do well and yeah. everything like that. Crowd engagement is something I didn't learn for maybe three or four years after starting performing, which I've been performing for about six years now, seven years. Um, it took a really long time to be able to have the confidence to mm. talk to the crowd in a way where they feel like they're able to relate to you and um, and be a part of the show as well because mm. uh, I'm not a fan of it being like, I'm up here, you're down here, watch me. It's like more yeah. so we're on the exact same boat if you want to come up here, if I go go down there, it's it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I try to make it as, as relatable as possible when I'm talking to the crowd. Um, but I think doing as many shows as you can, if you like performing and if you are an artist, um, go perform on the street, go mm. to the Wellington markets mm. and go sing. It's, it's there for you and there's people waiting to hear you. Mm. Um, so don't just think if once you're out there and you have this big show, it's going to be awesome. It's going to take a lot of performing. Yeah, it's getting um, all those reps, eh? All, all of those reps in. It's like the 10,000 hour rule. Like yeah, that's how I'm exactly. trying to mentally get myself over hurdles and then like the podcasting space it's like if I think of every podcast this number 24 yep. as um Congrats. you know like just con contributing towards that one uh, that that 10,000 hour methodology where when you do reach that level of time then you're essentially like an expert or you're like yeah. the black belt or whatever you're doing yeah um has there been times where you've done a gig and um you know like you didn't Perform. I'm, I'm sure there has been. We like didn't perform the best that you had thought you wanted to, um, and like, what does that do for your confidence as like an artist as well? Yeah, I think more so a lot going through those experiences, learning how to perform. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, in the last three years of having Benny Balance, who's my DJ, um, behind me, we're just made this really good set and it's really comfortable and, yeah. and easy to do so the only things that can go wrong is if we get a bad turnout or if mm. you know something's wrong with the show or anything like that um haven't had too many encounters luckily where i've made some heavy mistakes and if i do i try to come straight back from it live yeah um nowadays because i'm so comfortable with a lot of the songs it's more so when i exper uh, experiment with something say i've got a new, new song to perform um that's the challenging part is mm. I don't know how the song is going to do. I know the rest of the set is, is really awesome and, and I'm happy with it. But this new song is 
scary. So mm. it's, it's like sometimes you play a new song and people are like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, that's one that's not going in there again. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, must kind of be like stand up comedy in a way. Eh? Like you, you, do, you might do like a joke or like try a new spin on a joke and it doesn't land. So you're like, yeah. shit, I've got to refine that. So. The next time I go up there, it's a bit different. And even so, it's like your stand-up comedian could tell his joke to his friends and they're all like, that is hilarious. And then you mm. go out on stage and it's a whole different group of people and they're like, that's too far. <laughs> so like, yeah, that's not funny. Um, what's, if, if you want like a cheap date uh, night for you and your, and, and, and your partner, there's all these like open mic nights that you can go to at like the Fringe Bar in, um, oh, cool, cool. in town. Bro, it is fucking so funny. It's like, 10 bucks or something it's all these like first time comics that go up there and um, just don't sit right at the front because the MC will just absolutely roast you but it's so cringe because some of them are just terrible like just absolutely honking and you just laugh because just of how awkward it is and you just want to make them feel better Um, but there's yeah you see some other ones too But I'll have to check that out honestly it's definitely worth it I love a good cringe yeah man 100% Um, What's uh what's next for you then, bro? With your with your music career and your journey, so you've just re- released Dion, which is the three track sort of EP. Yeah. Um, have you got any other plans for any other albums or tours, supporting gigs coming up? Um, just your casual summer festies, um, all booked in. I release wise have got this kind of dream team of songs together. Nice. That I've been. Can, like making over the past three or four years the oldest one is four years old yeah um and got some awesome artists involved with that on the features as well which has happened really organically um so getting those songs compiled as i said i'm not managed at the moment i'm not with a label by choice um and it's kind of just doing it on my own and pushing myself to do it at the moment so i know the songs um it's just making a release plan at the moment mm. to get these out Sweet, bro. And you say that you're not under management by choice. For those who aren't aware of like the music industry, um, why have you chosen to go down that route rather than be teed up by like a management company? Yeah. Um, so my ex-manager was actually just a really good friend of mine. He kind of learned how to manage throughout our journey, which um, no hard feelings. We we ended on a really good terms. Mm. I also had another manager while I was being managed. So I had two managers at the same time. True. Um, and he was a really experienced manager. Had some awesome artists under his name. Um, so I learned from both of them. He just wanted to help me. And this guy knew everything about the industry. So yeah. learned a lot from both of them. Um, I think the main thing was I'm not one to, to rush anything. Uh, so from both sides, one of them was trying to rush me. One of them didn't mind what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I just felt like I had to do things at my own pace and yep. and learn a lot more before I got into it. So um, having no manager, is it's not like I don't want a manager ever again. It's just right now where I am figuring things out, I feel like I'm best off on my own. Mm. Um, if the right manager comes along and if the right opportunity happens, then I would be mm. um, inclined to to take that. But at the moment, I'm happy. And um, as I said, working on my lifestyle, which is a it's lot more right. important to me than and trying to rush this music stuff so yeah and like what for for a music manager are they looking after like the commercial side of things for you so trying to book you in with gigs get you on festivals etc etc yeah 
Like, yeah. what's their like? What's their key KPI? Like, what does a good manager look like? Yeah, a good manager looks like someone that motivates you, um, helps you with strategies and plans, mm. um, helps to get you with shows. Also with artists as well. Um, one of the managers I had was really good with just. He knew a lot of artists in Auckland and, and Wellington, so would always help me out with getting sessions with those yeah. people. And since I've built good relationships with those artists, so um, that's what they're there to do, I guess. Is on that note, build relationships for you and and help you line up those relationships. Mm. And um, as long as you know you're making music and doing your part, they're going to be there to help with the the finer details of mm. the industry. So I think if you're wanting to just make music, it's good to have a manager. Um, if you're wanting to run your business. Try to do it on your own. Try to do it by yourself, sorry. Mm, mm. What are some of the dark sides of the music industry in New Zealand? Uh, I guess labels to me. I'm not saying signing a label to a label, sorry, is a bad choice because I've got a lot of good friends. Uh, Muraki, for example, mm. he's doing amazing. You know, it's it's really worked out for him, that deal, and... Um, obviously he's, he's a very successful artist and making some good music too so um, I'm not going to say what label I had dealt with um, but I just had some messy financial stuff with a label I was working with who offered me um, something as well which I didn't think was a good offer Yeah, uh, there's a lot of take and not a lot, a lot of give for me um, so I didn't think it was a good, good deal so mm. I, I just said no um, fortunately worked with some of the artists and it got a bit messy financially as I said I have no manager at the time so I'm just trying to mm. work this out I had to get a lawyer True. Um, to sort these th- stuff out so I think the messy side of it is you're a small prawn in the industry a mm. kid who just wants to make music and loves doing this stuff for your own expression and these label people are businessmen you know mm. they're, they're not sitting at home tinkering ideas like a lyrics in their head and stuff they're thinking like what's the next big yeah. project that's going to leverage research how can we leverage yeah yeah, yeah. what's going to make us some money and like how do we uh, fucking benefit from this i guess it's mm. like that's the ugly part to me is like i i would love a world where the whole music industry cares the same amount about music mm. um but unfortunately nowadays as you've seen with tiktok and everything it's like it's 20% music and the yeah. rest is uh, being a personality totally. and, and playing the algorithm, I guess. Yeah, so. 100%. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to a label, what does what what is the role of a music label for an artist? Like, What should that relationship look like? I guess, in a sense, making you feel like an artist and that they're doing everything in their power to to help you be an artist as well um they obviously have great pr teams um everything on the side of helping with designs with the music with artists same as what a manager would do they would handle that um yeah it's it's depends what type of music you make Mm. is is my sense as i said for someone like maraki who's making some amazing pop music who everyone's going to enjoy um it's it's awesome for him to be able to take advantage of that but um I feel like I'm on the brink of uh, kind of that poppy industry music and also just some really out there stuff. So mm. um, just finding the right label in my eyes is... And when you sign up to a label, like, will they dictate the sort of genre and the path that you'll go go down as a, as a musician? Like, will they be like, okay, you know, research, 
or Connor, let's get you doing like a lot more poppy hits. We'll sell way more record, records, get some more streams. Like, can they dictate your, your, you know, like your delivery of the music at all? Yeah, it depends. As it's like, there's so many different deals you can do, and it does depend who you're with and what the deal is. But um, a lot of the time, it can be that. And if they don't like a song and they don't want that out, they won't release it you know and it's it's crazy eh? a lot of the time that's where it constricts a lot of artists and you know big artists like frank ocean who have done yeah. their ploys to disband from a label in a really smart way it's like some artists can't get out of it and they're stuck in it for mm. as long as nine years some contracts can be so um yeah they do dictate a lot of things and mm. having that autonomy in my eyes is, is very important but some artists just want to make music and they don't care how it how it happens you mm. know what what it sounds like they just are keen to amongst it so and have you had to like shift or pivot the strategy because it, it is crazy yeah like you are like being a musician it's a business it's a business model that you've got to run have you had to adapt or change any of your strategies as a businessman to sort of keep up with the world nowadays with you know the likes of like tiktok and the social media game and all of that sort of stuff have you had to maybe pivot or start like an intentional approach to I don't know. Not be yet. on TikTok or well, like whatever. I think I, think I should. Um, is is the strange thing? Like I I know that nowadays that's how it works. And as I said, I wish it was all about music, but mm. it's, it's not like that anymore. And mm. times have changed. Um, but no, not yet. I I think I should dive into that a little bit more. And I've learned about it a lot from. Um, I've helped a few other artists with their stuff. So um, I think I know how to do it, and I. I should do it, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only so many hours in the day, eh? Yeah. Um, have there been any experiences, bro, like when you look back on your career so far, what has been like the top moment for you as a musician that you can think back on? Oh, it's, it's got to be. There's something about performing more so than anything else. Because a lot of the time, as I said, when I make music, I'm by myself. Mm. Um, or I'm with some friends and we're just hanging out. So it's not like, you know, it's like another hangout kind of thing or being by yourself. But performing is just this feeling I can't describe. And when you're on stage, it's just obscene, the, the feeling and like the connection you have with the crowd, I guess. It's just amazing. And one of the most amazing moments for me that I remember is working late by Department of Art, shout out DOA. Um, they held a little like one stage kind of festy show thing um, at Shed 10 and there was 3,000 people and it was just one long shed, 3,000 people right there and we performed in front of them, me and Ben. Uh, that feeling, seeing that many people just for as far as you can see Crazy. and everyone just waiting for you, your word and your song and uh, that was an intense feeling, yeah. Insane. Do you get nervous? I used to, I used to. And now it's um, this like snap moment. If I'm even feeling the slightest bit nervous about one song that I'm playing, it's as soon as I get out there, it's like this feeling overcomes you. True. Um, and it's the, the craziest high you'll get after the show, you know, and like while you're doing it as well, it's, it feels like it goes like that. If it's 45 minutes, an hour, mm. it snaps. Um, but you get off stage and it's just, it lasts a day almost, you know, this oh, buzz right. from Epic. performing, so... 
It's awesome. It seems like a drug, eh? Like if that was like in a <laughs> capsule that you could give to other people, like I'm yeah. sure it would be like the most popular drug in the world. Sought after. Yeah, yeah. hard out. But when I see people um, perform live and it, there's, there's almost a fine balance with like fighters as well. Um, and we've had like the bro Corrin on the podcast before. Oh, awesome, awesome. Um, and you know, you meet Corrin, the most lovely guy you've ever met in your life. And then you'd find out later that he's like a fucking cage fighter. You'd be like, what? Like, yeah. he's just the most, you, you were not, you were not picking. Um, but there's almost like this, I don't know, this like switch which must go on. And it's the same for probably fighters as it is to musicians when it comes to the time to perform. You know, you're almost yeah. like, lock into this upper power or this like almost like an alter ego eh? like do, yeah. do you feel like you are the same person do you feel like you're the same Connor now as the same Connor that you are on stage performing yes and no like me enjoying it and me observing the performance is is, is I would describe it as like when I make music and a lyric comes to my head like I'm the same as anyone else hearing that song, I'm like, oh, that's such a mean lyric. Mm. And like, it's like someone gave it to me. Yeah. Um, so the same thing for for that as well. It's like, yes, I am Reese Rich up there and I feel like I'm pushing more energy than I ever push out in my normal lifestyle. Um, and, uh, you know, just doing as much as I can. But at the same time, it's like I'm watching myself do this and I'm in control of it all. So, mm. um yeah, half and half. Like, I'm playing the character. I'm also loving it, like, as myself. That's watch, cool. Bro. Watching myself do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Has there been any moments where you've, like, met someone throughout the way that you've really looked up to? Um, whether it be, like, Tom Scott, Mullow Downs, or equally, has it also been anyone that you met and you thought you had a really high expectation of and they sort of failed to deliver? <laughs> um I probably wouldn't answer the latter, but um, <laughs> so there is some. <laughs> yeah, never meet your heroes. But eh? um, the main one for me that was crazy is uh, Eno and Dirty. Yeah, um, right. from Auckland, and I just I obviously grew up in Australia, so I didn't know who Eno and Dirty were. But when I heard their music um, from one of my friends, I was like, these guys are yeah, bro, the most amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, these guys are exactly the type of hip hop like I love and enjoy, and it's from New Zealand. So I'm mm. like, this is this is crazy. Um, yeah, meeting meeting Eno and Dirty and becoming good friends with them as well, which is cool, um, was a surreal moment for me. And same thing, got in the studio with them and just went as hard as I possibly can. So it was awesome to kind of get on the field with them in a sense. Yes, mate. Are they still writing music? Are they still perform? yeah, um, separately. I know Eden or Eno is um, doing a lot of DJing and stuff like that. Yeah. And Dirty is now with Moko Mokai. Oh, true. Which is his new project with OG Dusty and um, a couple other guys who have been helping out with that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, they're sick, bro. They're awesome. So uh, you can't speak on who was the person that you met, that never met your hero moment? Nah. Nah, I don't reckon I. <laughs> Maybe off here. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever seen or have you ever felt that being from New Zealand – and like I say this with complete caution because I also feel like this is like a really limiting factor because I'm from Porirua and a lot of young people probably self-deprecate themselves because they're from Porirua yeah. and think that they won't be able to, you know, run a business or like TJ Pinanara, you know, be, a, be an all black. Um, but have you ever felt that being a musician in New Zealand has been self-limiting to your potential? I don't think I did when I was a bit more naive when I was younger. I thought, you know, this is 
this is it and it's going to happen this year it's going to happen next year um as you think when you're young but now i do see it as the same way the world's progressing with business i see it the same way it's like either i have to dive as deep into that tiktok scene um as possible or i have to go meet some people who are overseas um unfortunately and fortunately as well because i do want to get over there and, and talk with some people i think in real life conversation and meeting people in real life is a lot more important than mm. um, an email. So I think New Zealand is a bit disconnected from the rest mm. of the world. We're a beautiful country and like I always love my home, but um, it's all happening overseas. And, yeah. and I think you've probably got at least three or four mates who have moved this year already. Yeah, bro. Um, I've got plenty as well. So it is about getting out there and experiencing at least and coming home when you're ready. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it is It is crazy. Do you have many viewers from like the US and overseas? Yeah, funnily enough, Red Rover um, is like 80% from the US. Oh, true. Like, no not many people from New Zealand are listening to it. I just hit a certain uh, Discover Weekly, this playlist in, in uh, America. So now all over the US, people are listening to it. And wow, the majority huge. of streams are from there, which is really cool. So it's just one track, um, but... It's brought in a lot of listeners from the US, which is cool. That's cool, bro. That's epic. Um, and what was it like opening for Mellow Doubts? Yeah, he's the man. We've, we've also got a couple of songs together, man. Um, which are really cool. And meeting him and um, Dusty were was a really cool experience as well. So um, Smokey produced the songs for us, which is awesome. Um, and he's very mellow, Mellow Downs, very mellow guy. He seems um, today. Seems like a chiller. I love like his um the Carver Corner like podcast he does. Yeah, that's so cool. Such oh, a good idea. Genius, yeah. And he's really about that Carver. So man, yeah, he's not lying. That's sick, bro. Well, um, before we wrap up, where can people stay in touch with you and your mahi, bro? Yep. Um, so it's I'm on Instagram, Spotify, um, Reese Rich with two eyes on Instagram, just with one eye normally, um. Yeah, mostly on Instagram. As I said, I'm not too deep in the social media scene. I'm pretty ghostly when it comes to <laughs> being online because um, I'm probably out cleaning the kitchen. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you yeah. can clean it clean <laughs> Yeah, Instagram, you can catch me on. So. Man, and we'll put some links in the description wherever you're watching or listening. And then we'll just um, hit some quick fire questions. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll finish up with a bit of a quote. But uh, who, first question, who is the top three artists you got on repeat at the moment? Olivia Dean from the UK, amazing pop artist. Um, Suave and James Blake. Nice. Um, What brings you true happiness? Lifestyle, definitely. Lifestyle. Advice you wish you knew about when you were younger? Save, save your money mm. from a from a proper insurance broker. That, that's, yeah. that's good, <laughs> In good every advice. sense, save your money. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Rick Rubin. Why? I just think he is the. He's there's no one else ever. I've only seen him and read his book and everything like that, but. No one that's ever said as many thoughts I've had just deep by myself as mm. him. Like, you know, he's just said so many th- isolated thoughts I've had. And I'm like, other people think about this stuff. Mm. And he's the one person that's done that. So I'm like, I would love to pick his brain for 
hours on end. He's got the majestic beard, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's worked with artists since the, like the 80s kind of thing. He's just an absolute grandmaster. And I, I read something about him as well that he's, I think it might have been an interview or a podcast I listened to, but he, he hasn't got like a musical bone in his body. Like he doesn't play an instrument. He doesn't like sing. He doesn't do anything. He can't play the guitar, can't produce. But it's like his opinion, which the artists like really connect to. It's like they go to a session with him. He's like really good at like, yeah, his opinion. Um, people go to a session with him thinking they're going to make some music and they'll spend five days going in like cryogenic chambers and on massive hikes and, you know, like really getting out of their comfort zone and stuff like that. So wow. he's more so about breaking down creativity more so than just getting in and playing a guitar or making a beat. It's like breaking down what you really want true, this for, true. Um, which is interesting. Such a buzzer, eh? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he would be buzzer. great at the dinner table. 100%. <laughs> um, advice, oh no, what does legacy mean to you? Legacy. Um, for anyone who's ever had a family member who's really close to them pass away, I think you should know what legacy means. Um, if they meant so much to you, whereas, you know, for example, my grandfather wasn't a artist or anything like that. He was just a hard worker and looked after our whole family. And I think his legacy is the most impactful legacy I've known about, at least in my life. Mm. Um, so that doesn't mean being the biggest star or being the best at what you're doing. It means looking after everyone who's in your life and supporting everyone and always being there and not leaving a bad taste in anyone's mm. life. It's probably my favourite response from that question, actually. I really like that. Thank you. Um, if you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? Oh, I mean, it's probably said by uh, everyone, just the kind of tall poppy sense mm. uh, in New Zealand. Yeah, it's something I faced with labels, artists, everything. Um, it's really unfortunate that not everyone's just keen to be on the same level and platform mm. And, mm. and work together. Um, which happens all over the world, but it is such a small country to be doing it. Yeah, it's so prevalent here, eh? And it's like, yeah. there's enough room for, especially in New Zealand, like, everyone can win. Yeah. I think it was like Israel Adesanya, yeah. he was like, like, you win, I win. Like, it's it's all good. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And it's, it's, yeah, it's too small to be doing that, as, as I was saying. Maybe in the US, but it's, uh, mm. it's way too small. We are one team here. So. 100%, bro. Uh, and finally, what do you believe is the main thing that is holding back young people in New Zealand? Uh, if I'm going to be frank, it's probably our economy. Mm. Um, for everyone who's moved to Australia in the past five years, since the 2000s, in fact, um, one of my friend's dad's recently, actually, he's moved over there and for 15 years he's been working, um, struggling, you know, rent to rent. His, and it's his dad, you know, like it's, it would have mm. been hard to see. He's moved over there and in six months... He's, for the first time in 15 years, been able to save, yeah. go on holidays, do what he wants with his partner. Um, and he's in his late 60s. You know, mm. it's, it's horrible to think that not only young people, but everyone else in our economy is struggling to save and not knowing it if you're young. You have mm. no idea um, how hard it is to survive. Mm. Not to survive because you know, I have a lovely life. It's more so to get ahead and to totally. be able to do the things you want to do. Yeah, 100%, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you just need to like fill up your car or like shop at a supermarket to be like fucking hell like man there's <laughs> so much money um via the for sure like the cost of living uh like wages probably being a lot lower than what they should be for most industries it's um fucking definitely crippling and it's hard because it's not all 
it's half the government's fault, but it's like we are a small country, so the limit to our economy being massive is, mm. is hard. You mm. know, it's not good like we're ever going to be as booming as Australia. No, don't think scale. Got less resources. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so it is it is a battle, but it's just hard for, for especially young people in New Zealand to get ahead, I 100%. think. 100%. Totally agree, bro. Um, cool. Finish on a quote. Uh, if, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Cheers, bro. Awesome.